Hey, good morning, guys. My name is Dave, and I'm the campus pastor here at our World Golf Village campus. And I just want to add my welcome to each of you, and thank you for being here this morning. As we start 2023, why don't we start just this time with a word of prayer? Would you join me in prayer? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, why would we not start with thanksgiving to you? You are an awesome and great God. Thank you, Father, for your everlasting love. Thank you, Jesus, for your saving work. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to help us see our need of Jesus and to help us see Jesus and respond to his love. Thank you. And Father, we pray that this year you would continue to work in our lives, draw us closer and closer to the one who has loved us first, Jesus Christ. Send your Holy Spirit, Jesus, to fill your church, that, Lord, we might know our place in your plan to reach the nations. And Lord, thank you. Thank you that you began a good work in us, and you will bring it to completion. Lord, that gives us hope this morning. And Jesus, you give us hope. So as we open your word this morning, I pray that, Jesus, you would reign and rule over all of it. Help the one who speaks. My sins are many. And help all who hear to encounter you, Lord Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen. We're going to start uh, our study this year in the book of 1 Timothy. So I'd invite you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Timothy. And uh, the passage that I'll read this morning and that we'll give our attention to comes from the first chapter of 1 Timothy, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You know what a New Year's resolution is, right? New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and goes out the next. Now, would you like a little pastor humor? I get asked all the time about this doctrine of election that the Bible teaches, and people ask, how can I know if I'm chosen? If you're here this morning, the possibility of you being chosen has gone up dramatically. Dramatically. Thank you for being here this morning. We are going to look back here at the beginning of our service on some of the things that God did in 2022, and and I just want to thank again the Christmas team who worked so hard to make our auditorium look great, and all of you who invited and and brought and welcomed people to have nearly 1,300 people on our campuses to hear the gospel on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and to see 19 people put their trust in Jesus Christ in our services at both our Wildwood and our World Golf Village campus. Thank you so much. 2022 was an answer to prayer 
when it comes to this, this opportunity that we've been given to share the gospel where we live, work, and play. In 2021, we had 21 evangelists, members of Good News Church, who had the opportunity to lead someone to faith in Christ. In 2022, we had 46 evangelists, people who are a part of Good News Church who shared their faith in Jesus with a friend where they live or worked or played and had the opportunity to see that person come to faith in Christ. 46 evangelists and 196 professions of faith through the members of Good News Church. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, 196 professions of faith. Last year, last year, uh, through your generosity, 2526317 dollars and 81 cents were given to Good News Church in 2022. Thank you for your generosity. Because of that, we were able to invest 13% of that in planting churches around the world, and the result of that was that more than 25 churches were planted around the world, and through those church plants, um, we hope to see many, many more churches planted in the years to come as we continue to invest 13% of all that's given um, to Good News Church. But Jesus, in John 15, 8, he said that my Father will be glorified by this, that you bear even more fruit and prove to be my disciples. So we long to see God enable us, by his grace, to bear much fruit for God's glory through our faith in Jesus. And that's why last year we worked hard together as a leadership team to develop our strategic plan that goes into effect beginning in 2023. And we have uh, asked the Father to help us understand where should we focus our attention as a church? Where should we focus our attention as a church to accomplish our purpose? And our purpose is to make disciples together. So where would God have us focus? Well, let's start with the end in mind. Let's start with what we would love to see the Father do in our hearts over the next three years. And wouldn't we long to see the Father give us more love over the next three years, more love for Jesus? Wouldn't it be great if three years from now we look back and we see that our members have fallen more and more and more in love with Jesus Christ? Wouldn't it be great if three years from now we could look back and, and we could see that the Holy Spirit had, had enabled us to not only fall in love with Jesus, but to love one another. People ask me all the time, what's the best thing about Good News Church? And the best thing about Good News Church is our people. There is nothing more beautiful than the church when she acts like the church. And we're never more like Jesus than when we love one another. So three years from now, imagine 
when we are fully engaged and, and fully connected to one another and enabled by the Holy Spirit to love one another, what if, what if we look back in three years and we see that God, by his grace, has enabled us to continue to love the lost? Jesus said that we would be his ambassadors. Wouldn't it be great if we all could look back three years from now and we could see people that we each had personally won to faith in Christ because as we fall more and more in love with Jesus and as we love one another, the final proof that we're Jesus' disciples, loving one another, and the world would see that and we'd have opportunity then to tell them this great, great message of the gospel. Now, how do we get there? How do we get to a place where, where we fall more in love with Jesus and we fall more in love with one another and we fall more and more in love with the lost? How do we get there? Well, we've identified five key areas that we really need to focus on as a church, and those five areas involve culture and leadership and unity and engagement and communication. So we really need, as a church, to continue to develop a culture of disciple-making. That we have a culture of disciple-making that's effectively winning and building and equipping and multiplying, reproducing disciple-makers. That we would have, at our church, a clear plan for the ongoing leadership of our church. Leadership. Everything rises and falls with leadership. And it's so important that at every level, from our pastors all the way down to every gospel partner, that we have a plan for succession. We have a plan for, for leadership development at every level of our church. Unity. All oh, that... Jesus prayed for our unity. He prayed, Father, may they be one, even as we are one, that the world may believe. Unity can be hard work. What if we had unity in our purpose and our strategy for disciple-making amongst all of our church leadership, our elders, our staff, our small group leaders, that at every level of our church leadership, we all agreed and understood what it meant to have Jesus as our model for life and ministry and what Jesus-style disciple-making really looked like. Culture, leadership, unity, engagement. That our members are more and more engaged in the life and ministry of the church. That at Good News Church, there are clear and simple pathways for people to enter into relationships and ministry that we make it easy for people to connect to one another. We make it easy for people to connect with the mission of the church and winning and building and equipping and multiplying disciple makers. Engagement. That more and more people are, are saying yes to identifying with Good News Church as their church home and they're taking the step of church membership and, and more and more people as they take the step of church membership are investing their treasure 
in their local church, faithfully giving their tithes and offerings, and giving sacrificially above and beyond the tithe their offerings so that more and more people around the world can hear the message of the gospel, engagement. And then finally, communication. <laughs> if people don't know and they haven't heard how amazing you are as a church, oh, they need to know. They need to hear. We need to do a better job as a church communicating who we are and letting people know opportunities that they have to get involved. On the back of the strategic plan, you'll see our budget for 2023. And we're thankful to have uh, an executive pastor, Don Gernon, and a campus director here at our World Golf Village, Parker Fretwell. And they've worked with our finance team, and then our elders worked on our budget for 2023. And our budget for 2023 is $2,639,529. And I think good news is a good investment. I think when people give to support Good News Church, you'll get a good eternal return on your investment. Churches will be planted around the world. A great staff of people will, will be supported in their work. Teams of ministers, teams of ministry leaders, gospel partners will have the resources they need. We'll continue to be able to do what God's called us to do as a church, to make disciples together. Good News Church is a worthwhile investment of your resources, so I'd invite you to prayerfully consider how you'll give in 2023 so that we can reach this goal. But every year, every year, the financial support of the church is a faith commitment. It's a faith commitment. Jesus, or Paul, wrote to the Philippians, and he says, My God shall supply for all your needs in accordance with his glorious riches in Christ. It's a faith commitment to trust God to provide for our needs, but we have every reason to believe that he will, because he has for us glorious riches in Christ Jesus that he's entrusted to us to be good stewards of. We, we invite you we invite you to join with us in this strategic plan. We invite you to join with us in the giving of the tithes and the offering. We invite you to join with us in engagement, culture and leadership and engagement and unity and in communication. Now, as we start the year, I read from 1 Timothy and I read the first two verses of 1 Timothy and to start the year, we're going to look at the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy. Well, actually, it'll take us almost all year, <laughs> okay? We'll be in 1st and 2nd Timothy almost all year. Why 1st Timothy? Why start the year with 1st Timothy? Well, I've just shared with you five strategic goals, but we'll never get there without a fight. We'll never get there without hard work. The great theologian, Mike Tyson, the great theologian, Mike Tyson, he was asked one time about an upcoming fight against Evander Holyfield. He said, are you worried about Evander Holyfield's fight plan to defeat you? Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. It's a fight. 
Everybody has a plan. We've prayerfully sought the Father. We have a plan, but it's going to take a fight. And Paul, in 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, fight the good fight. And then again, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he reminds Timothy, fight the good fight. It's going to take a fight, a fight of faith, a fight to trust God for the resources and opportunities that he has for us in the year ahead. Now, now why would Paul have such concern for Timothy? Why would Paul have such concern for Timothy that, that he come alongside Timothy and encourage him and support him? And the answer is that Timothy was Paul's true child in the faith. Timothy was Paul's true child in the faith. Now let's go back to, to the beginning. Timothy, Timothy was the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother who lived in either Derby or Lystra in what is now present-day Turkey. And Paul, Paul was perhaps the most famous of all the apostles, the most fruitful of all the church planters in the first century after Jesus. He was the greatest writer of the New Testament, wrote more books of the New Testament, won more people to faith in Christ, and one of those that Paul won to faith in Christ was this young man named Timothy. Now, how did that happen? Well, it happened in Acts chapter 14. Paul is facing persecution and opposition because of the gospel, and he comes to uh, an attempt was made in Acts 14, verse 5. It says, An attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them. So they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derbe. That's Timothy's territory where he grew up and the surrounding region. And verse 7 says, There they continued to preach the gospel. So Timothy, his family, and all those who were living in that area had never been exposed to the gospel until Paul came in response to great persecution, great opposition to the gospel. Paul comes to this place and he begins to preach the gospel. What does that mean? What's the gospel? What's the good news? The gospel means good news. But the gospel that is good news has bad news. You see the gospel in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1? God our Savior. God our Savior. You could summarize the gospel in three words. God saves sinners. The good news of the gospel has bad news, and the bad news of the gospel is that we've all sinned against God, and we're in big trouble. We've all sinned against God. We've all committed crime after crime after crime against God, and we're in big, big trouble because the God that we've sinned against in thought and in word and in deed 
the God that we've sinned against in leaving undone the things that we know we ought to have done, the God that we've sinned against is holy, and he must punish sin. But God saves sinners. God makes himself the Savior, and he saves us. There's three words in chapter 1 of Timothy, Timothy, 1 Timothy 1. There's three words that describe God's saving work. The good news of the gospel is this, grace, mercy, and peace. Grace. Grace is God's ill-deserved favor towards sinners. Listen, would you rather have what you deserve or would you rather have grace? See, religion, religion is man trying to work himself to death to please God. Christianity is God saving sinners. Christianity is the grace of God being given to us. Religion is man through his own good works trying to make himself acceptable to God. Christianity is grace, God's ill-deserved favor that all of us had punched God in the face. But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ bore our penalty. Grace, ill-deserved favor, mercy. God's love expressed to the needy. Religion tries to convince us that we're really pretty good. And Christianity tells us the truth that we already know that none of us are all that good. That we're all needy. We're all needy. We all need God's help. And the gospel says that by mercy, God has loved the helpless, the needy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace, shalom, peace. Peace is a state of well-being or wholeness. It's a state of well-being or wholeness. Are you busy? Are you distracted? Are you hurried? Or do you have peace? Are you, is your life filled with anxiety? Wouldn't you like instead to have the peace of God, it comes through the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners, that through Jesus Christ, there has become an end to the hostilities between us and God, what our sin caused, when our sin caused a separation between us and God, Jesus Christ has brought peace. How did he do it? Jesus Christ lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death we deserve to die. And he says when we put our trust in him, we're forgiven. We don't receive what we deserve. We receive grace, ill-deserved favor from God. We receive mercy. God's love expressed to the helpless. We receive peace. An end to hostilities between us and God and a new state of peace, wholeness, security. How do we get it? We receive it by faith. We receive it by turning from our sin and trusting in Christ alone as he's offered in the gospel. 
we receive it by trusting not in an idea, but a person. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, For this reason I suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. I know whom I've believed, a person, Jesus Christ. Have you put your trust in him alone for salvation as he's offered in the gospel? Many, many years ago, a tightrope walker by the name of Blondin stretched a tightrope across Niagara Falls, and he amazed the crowds as he walked across, back and forth, across the tightrope. After amazing the crowds with those feats, he got a wheelbarrow, and he started walking back and forth with a wheelbarrow. And then he said to the crowd, do you think I could do it with a man in the wheelbarrow? And they said, yes, you could do it. He said, how about you? Do you think I could do it with you in the wheelbarrow? That's trust. Do you trust Jesus Christ like that? Have you gotten in the wheelbarrow with Jesus to let him get you safely across, not Niagara Falls, but a chasm so vast and great you could never make it across on your own. Put your trust in Christ. Admit to him, I'm a sinner, I can't save myself, I need grace. Believe in Christ as the Savior of sinners and receive his mercy towards the helpless. Trust in Christ and receive the peace that he's offered by committing your way to him. Jesus, I'll stop going my way and I'll start going your way. Help me become the person you want me to be. Have you done that? If you hadn't, you can do it this morning right where you're sitting. You can admit and believe and commit or come up after the service. I'd be happy to assist you. If you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, you are a Christian, can I ask you, what is the gospel currently producing in your life? What is the gospel giving you? What are you counting on for Jesus to do in your life today? What are you counting on for Jesus to do in your life in the year ahead? You see, resolutions... Resolutions will never work. But you know what can work? Jesus. Because Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 that Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. The confidence that the best is yet to come. Christian, is the gospel producing in you what it produced in Timothy? Paul says to Timothy in chapter 3, verse 10, you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Has Jesus moved into your life? So that no matter what happens in the next 364 days, you know whom you've believed 
and Jesus Christ is producing in the center of your life a growing expectancy, a growing hope that the best is yet to come. Oh, Christian, take the gospel into the center of your life and let it produce in your life this year hope. The confident expectation that the best is yet to come. Christ Jesus is our hope. So Paul preached the gospel. Timothy believed the gospel. And Timothy was Paul's true child in the faith. What Paul demonstrates for us is the same thing that Jesus demonstrated. That Jesus lived a life of ministry and that when we look to Jesus' life and ministry, we have in Jesus a Savior. Jesus is the one through whom God saves sinners. We have righteousness, a new record that's credited to our account. But in Jesus Christ, we also have a credible model for life and ministry. So that when we look at Jesus, his life shows us how to do ministry. And Jesus' life gives us the power to do ministry, reproducing ourselves spiritually. So that like Paul, we also can have true children in the faith. Jesus' life shows us how and gives us the power to do it. And Paul demonstrated to Timothy and trained him in how to do it. And he can do the same for us. Jesus taught Paul and teaches us to win the lost, to build believers, to equip workers, and to multiply disciple makers. And that's what we want to do as a church to make disciples together, we want to win the lost. Paul preached the gospel at Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. He preached the gospel and Timothy was saved because God saves sinners. Timothy was one to faith in Christ. Where did Paul learn how to do that? He learned to do that from Jesus himself. Jesus Christ issues an invitation to the world. Come and see. Come and see who I am. Come and see what my life is about. Come and see what I've done for you by my life and death and resurrection. Come and see. And our invitation to the world is to come and see Jesus. Our invitation to the world is to put their trust in Christ, to admit and believe and commit to Christ as Savior and Lord, to preach the gospel where we live and work and play. Oh, that this year we would win the lost. This year that we would build believers. Jesus issues a second invitation to believers, those who have come to understand who he is and what he had come to, God, to, to do for us, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. And so when a person puts their trust in Christ, when they're one to faith in Christ, then they're built in their faith. 
They grow up towards maturity. They learn. They learn to abide in Jesus by spending time alone with him in the word and prayer each day. That's one of the reasons we provide the study for you. Jump in this week. Begin reading through the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1. You'll see the the guide in your study and, and how to get started reading the word and praying the word and sharing the word. But listen, don't get it twisted. We don't read the Bible because we're so good. We read the Bible because Jesus makes an incredible invitation to you and to me. Come and have breakfast with me each day. Learn to abide in me. What if this year we just began by learning to abide in Jesus? By getting breakfast with Jesus starting tomorrow by reading Matthew chapter 1 and and just spending time with the one who loves us and gave himself for us. To win the lost and, and to build believers. Paul built Timothy. In Acts chapter 16, we're told that Paul invited Timothy to join him to spend time with him. And what Paul saw Jesus do with his disciples, now Paul does with his disciples. Win the lost, build believers, equip workers. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become a fisher of men. That Jesus had a plan to train and equip his disciples to fish for people. And Paul had a plan for equipping Timothy. That is, Timothy went along with Paul on his missionary journeys. Eventually, Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus and told him to stay there and equip elders and to stay in Ephesus and do the work of an evangelist in the city of Ephesus. So what Paul learned from Jesus in equipping workers, he then helps Timothy become an equipper of workers so that the result would be more and more disciple makers. Multiplied disciple makers. Jesus understood that if you win one, you've added But if you win one and you train that one to win others, if you equip workers, now you have the opportunity to bear even more fruit by multiplying disciple makers. That's what Jesus was doing with his disciples, and that's what Paul told Timothy to do also. In 2 Timothy 2.2, The things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses This entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Four generations of Christ followers in that one verse. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and others also. What if we could look back? What if we could look back at the end of our life and see multiple generations of Christ followers living behind us, following after us, behind us in our wake, a legacy of Christ followers. What if it started this year? That on December 31st, 2023, when we gather on the 53rd Sunday of 2023, what if this year 
we had the opportunity to, to say, I invested my life this year at seeking to win and build and equip and multiply. It would start with just a prayer from the heart. It would start with just a heartfelt prayer. Dawson Troutman, many years ago, wrote this prayer as a, a help for Christians who wanted to reproduce themselves spiritually. He encouraged his men to pray, God, give me a man or give me a girl that I can win to faith in Christ or give me an infant, a babe in Christ that I can train to win others to Christ and reproduce. It starts with a, with a prayer. To become a reproducing disciple starts with going to God honestly in prayer and saying, God, help me. Help me this year to reproduce myself spiritually. And then if God were to give an answer to that prayer this year, what if each of us won one? And we didn't just win them to faith in Christ, but we built them up. So that this year, as a result of our life with Jesus, as we abide in him, what if the result of our life this year is that each of us won one and built that one, trained that one, so that they were ready to reproduce? At the end of this year, we'd each have one disciple. And then, in the next year, what if each of us then had another disciple? So one reached another one, and then the next year... The third year, each one multiplied into another who could be one and trained to reproduce and win others. You say, well, Dave, that sounds like one-on-one. -on -one. I'm in a small group. All the better. That means that you could have even more of an impact for Jesus as you try to come alongside people and help them grow in their faith. But listen, I found in my life that nothing ever happens without a prayerful dependence upon the Father and the grace of the Holy Spirit. And nothing ever happens without intentionality to say, Jesus, help. Jesus, help me. Help me reproduce. Help me reproduce this year. Help me win one and build one so that that one can win another. Help me by your grace. You know what would happen? Everyone would win. We would win. We'd have the joy of seeing our faith in Christ multiplied into another. They would win because a person's eternal destiny would be changed forever. But most of all, God would win because God would receive glory. When we bear much fruit, God is glorified, and we prove ourselves to be his disciples. This year, let's pray that God would help us toward that end. Let's pray. Jesus, so much more to say. Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. I pray that you would draw us, each of us, more and more into this disciple-making adventure, that more and more we would say yes to winning the lost and building believers and equipping workers and multiplying disciple-makers. And Jesus, we don't even know what that means yet. 
So help us. Help us look to you, Jesus. Your life shows us how and then gives us the power to do it. And let's begin with just a prayer from the heart. Jesus, give me a man or give me a girl that I can win to faith in Christ. Or help me find an infant, a babe in Christ, and train that one to win others to the Savior. And Lord, none of it is possible without saving faith in you. And so for any who are here this morning and they've never trusted in you, won't you trust in him now? Won't you get in the wheelbarrow with Jesus? Won't you admit to him, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways. I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. You did that for my sin. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you invite us to do life and ministry with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've given us the church as a gift. Thank you, Father, for this year. We commit it to you. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen.